0: From the Finley Toyota Studio,
1: it's Cofield and Company.
0: Nudists, some
1: of them, love mac and cheese. Wait, what? What is even going on anymore? It's just so infuriating every time we do these. Let me go get a glass of
2: milk, some of my chocolate chip cookies, and good old supermarket sweep.
0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield.
2: ESPN Las Vegas. We told you so. We told you so. It's a Monday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. Ari alongside as well. We told you so. Trending at 2 o'clock as we come out for another week of Cofield and Company. Let's get into what the Golden... Well, we'll get to the Golden Knights here in five minutes. But we told you. The cicadas could be coming. For anyone listening online, it's all for you. We tried to warn you. We had them. And now the rest of the country is acting like it's a big deal, Adam. Everyone. Don't care now. <laughs> we went through it, and no one cared about us. And now I'm looking at a radar. You see this one? Oh, yeah. Radar over the D.C. area. There are so many of these buggers that we had. Remember how bad they were here? Oh, yeah. Just really annoying. So many of them. It looked like a freaking storm over D.C. I love it. Uh, yeah. Praying for you, D.C. Thoughts and prayers. I hope you make it.
1: I feel like hope my, you make it. my last year living in D.C., I feel like they were there. Oh, really? I think they they come every 17 years. Or I, Listen, I just said something I have no idea what the case is. I well, thought this was, was pretty
2: much the case the last time we saw the – uh the cricket cicada b- breakout here. We talked about it every day. We had no idea what we were speaking of. Yeah, it's
1: just fun I to just talk know, about. It just
2: felt dangerous. It wasn't.
1: It's, it's fun to look at. They're fun to talk about. Uh, they are annoying, as you said, more than anything else. Uh, we had the one, was the one I was out at, at the soccer game, and it was just like a, like they enveloped the entire stadium. It was cr- it was pretty crazy. Sweet. Uh, sweet. Yeah. Good luck with them. They're fun. I mean, but they not go away. They'll be gone, and then we'll forget about them for a while. People are eating them. So... Maybe this c- cures some of the, you know, hunger issues. I will say we missed out on that, craze. All that
2: protein. We talked about the great protein the cicadas provides. So. Don't taste very good, though. We're uh, we're cicada-free. We are Julio Jones-free as well. What just happened? Second-round pick? Yeah. Now, when do we find out about, uh, about the money details? Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Our rumors have it that he actually did pass on going to Baltimore because of the cicadas. Uh <laughs> Do we have any idea of an extension? What this is actually going to cost? Because that's really the key here. Because the Raiders certainly could afford a second round pick for Julio Jones, but you know, do you want to be laying out twenty five mil and a bonus and a you know an extension on top of not on top of, but tear up his existing deal and extend him?
1: No, I, I, I would say a Raiders dodged a bullet. Um, uh, B like I. To me, the the deal is for less than he makes now. The deal is an extent, and that's not what's going to be. It's, no, it's not going to be. It's going to be a lot of it's money. It's Going to be more. The Titans are going to pay right. through the nose for thirty two year old Julio Jones. Right. I, it would my my you know outlook for the for what a Raiders team would have been is said if we acquire you, how much of a pay cut will you take? How long will you sign at a reduced deal? And when he said no, I want more money. Right. All right. Cool. Enjoy. Have fun somewhere right. else. You basically pull an ESPN. <laughs> exactly. his Personalities. Exactly. Offer a
2: pay cut. They move on. They say it was their choice.
1: Sure. Uh but yeah, Julio Jones is going to get a lot of money, he's going to get a long deal, which is pretty crazy to me at 32 years old when he's been kind of breaking down the last couple of years. Um and by the way, this is not me in retrospect saying well, the Raiders need to get him, Raiders need to get him, Raiders need to get him. Well, Raiders didn't want him anyway. Like this is what I said from the beginning. This was a typical Raiders backer, Adam, changing his story. Yeah, this would be a this was was going to be a bad idea for the Raiders to do and fortunately for them uh, they didn't. But, yeah, the Titans, I think it makes a lot more sense. They needed a weapon like this uh, for more, uh, you know, in a short-term manner. And they feel like, you know, he's going to pair with, uh, you know, with A.J. Brown and with, with Tannehill and, and make them explosive with Derrick Henry in the backfield. The Raiders didn't need to invest money on the offense. They needed uh, to improve the defense. We know that from the last couple of seasons. So uh, we'll see what he gets. You're right. This is That is the story. the story. It's not yeah. the second-round pick. The second-round pick is, is what it is. I mean, that's, you know – who cares? That's the you know the, the second round picks are valuable, but for Julio Jones, sure, that's that's great. It's what what does the deal cost them down the road? Lots of
2: playoff action tonight. We got Bucks and Brooklyn. We got Denver and Phoenix. We'll talk to JVT, our basketball guy, and part of the company in the four o'clock hour about the series prices. Although uh, Milwaukee and Brooklyn will be off by that point. Uh, 4.30 start. And then we've got NHL tonight, right? We've got an early game for us, 3.30, Islanders-Boston 2-2 series. And then the series we're starting to keep an eye on, which, uh, hey, if we brought this up on Friday, you'd be like, hey, jackass, don't worry about what's going on in the Canadian series with Montreal on the peg. You can't even beat these guys in front of you. <laughs> so that game starts up at 5 o'clock, and Montreal has a chance to uh, finish off the series, and then we will address Some of the big news around that, because the matchup for the winner of the uh, Golden Knights and Az Series will be, likely, Montreal. How are they going to do that with the border issues? Well, they cleaned it up for one league, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Well, Knights, two different games, two very different games on Friday and Sunday. Both awesome outcomes for you, the Golden Knights fans. Let's concentrate on yesterday. We can revisit Friday in a little bit. Sure. Yesterday was pretty dominant. Uh, maybe not as you know over-the-top dominant as they were at moments in games two and three, but it was pretty dominant, and a lot of it was the same exact theme That's that kind of turned around the series after the 7-1 bludgeoning. Man, that top line for the Avs? Like, we'll get into all the scoring. We'll get into the Misfits. We'll get into Marshy and Patches <laughs> and all the other nicknames. But the unsung guys, for the most part, are the ones who were shutting down this top line. This has been amazing. Everyone
1: was scared blankless after game one. And now what's happened since? They've been completely neutralized. Game one, the top line for Colorado combined for eight points. And three games since, they've combined for four. Including zero yesterday.
2: It was, Adam, I was insane. I made sure to watch the, the replay again today. And I swear to God, at one point, I'm like, is McKinnon playing? And then I look up, I'm like, oh, there he is.
1: Like, I almost never heard his name called, which is bonkers. Yeah, and I think one of the things it's doing, and and if you read between the lines a little bit on some of the stuff that they're saying in the Colorado side and, um, you know, being on the pressers the last couple of days, it's not just that the Knights are neutralizing. It's that they are a little bit getting in their head, I guess would be the right thing. Now, they – a couple of uh, reporters from Colorado asked, like, are they in your head yesterday? And the answers were no, of course, as they're supposed to be. But, you know, as they were talking about last night, like, yes, for long stretches of the game, that line is being neutralized, not just by the top line of Vegas, which is doing the most work on them, uh, between, you know, Stevenson and Patch and stone doing a, a really good job defensively on those guys and shutting them down when they're out there together. But even when Colorado gets them out against a different line, they're still struggling. The fourth line has been physical with them, uh, as, as is what they do. Uh, the second line, the, the misfit line that's been scoring, uh, they have also been doing a good job being defensive, defensively responsible. So Jared Bednar last night was saying, hey, a lot of people are saying, hey, it's easy, just get your top line out there against somebody besides the top line of Vegas. But that's not really working. The only line they're having some success with is the third line. Um, and you know, there's only so many times you can get them out there matched up now at home. It'll be a little easier with last change. If Vegas, those third line out there, you'll throw uh, the top line out there to try to, uh, to try to bounce that off. But then Vegas switches like it's, it's tough to get them neutralized against who you want to get them against. And you know, the defensemen of Vegas have been doing a good, a very good job as well against those guys. But what I, what I was starting this point with was it's not just that they are doing a good job defensively. It's that they are so frustrating them that even when they have chances, between the second and third period yesterday, there was some good opportunities for the top line. They had a couple of chances. And as Bednar pointed out, they walked in on net, were open. All right, here we go. But it's been like three games since they had a chance, and they missed the net three times and hit a post. So like on four really good chances yesterday, as Bednar said, yeah, Fleury's been playing fine. We haven't made him do anything. We can't put the puck on the net. We're missing. We're hitting the post. And that's because they're doing such a good job defensively. That Now it's like even when they're not on them, even when they are open, they think they're not open. And they're looking around like, wait, am I open right now? Like this is crazy and freaking out a little bit. So it's it's been a very, very effective strategy for the Knights to get back in the series, and they're in a great spot now. I mean, you know, nobody wants to have to win a game in Colorado, which they're going to have to do at some point if they want to win but they had a chance to last time they were there game two. They had a shot and Colorado hasn't lost there since, I don't know, 2016. Uh, uh, it's only been March, but yeah, they've, they've haven't lost since March, but the one team that was able to beat them in overtime was the golden Knights, So they've got to have some confidence that they can do it. They've got two shots to do it. They've got to win one of them.
2: Two, two series got to win two or three best of three series on the way back. We'll talk about the misfits and especially uh, Marshy. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
1: This line has combined to score six of the nine goals for the Golden Knights in this series. Marchessault so with a pair tonight. Carlson and Riley Smith. Carlson line was able to wrestle the momentum back in their favor. For the Vegas Golden Knights in that second period, it started with the four-check
2: pressure and then the eventual goal by William Carlson, but they've had energy all period long. Nine shots on goal for this line.
0: Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Now, to Toyota studio.
2: Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool story emerging. Misfit line, taking off big time, making a massive difference. It's funny, uh, Adam and I were talking off the air because we chat about the Golden Knights for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and uh, last week, I was actually texting you uh, during one of the games, and it might have been might have been game two. It was probably game two. Uh, and I was expressing frustration at Carlson. And you fired back. You're like, well, he's been pretty good on defense. But, yeah, I was pointing out there's a bunch of times on, on offense where he, he's just he just... Wasn't hold on to the puck, yeah, just sloppy. And man, his play and the rest of that line's play the last couple of games has been ridiculous. And come on, Carlson on the play where he's he's in the corner and he just reaches out a stick and you know flicks it in front of the net to huh. set up the, the Marciusso goal where Marciusso you know all over Grubauer. Yeah, that was awesome. He was behind the freaking net. And he put it in position for something dangerous to happen. And then obviously you know Marciusso has gotten the you know the ultimate
1: end results with the three goals and the hat trick, they've been great. Yeah, and no, I do want to, I mean, <clears throat> you're kind of pointing it out there, but I do want to make sure that you, uh, that we recognize what the line has done, the work that the line has done uh, to put March so in those positions. And and yeah, he gets, when, when you're the goal scorer, you get the glory, but Carlson doing all that work, not yeah. only, uh, as you said, like finding him and, and putting him in good positions, but also like he is an elite defensive center and he's he's, that's been consistent whether he's been scoring or contributing on goals or not. That's been there, and Riley Smith has been dangerous as and well. Like, that Riley, line has been Riley
2: Smith had a goal, and it hit the freaking <laughs> yeah. crossbar. Yeah. drops down, and then Marshall says like, "Oh, okay,
1: <laughs> right, right." Well, now. and by the way, that was a that was a crowd aided goal. Yeah. Um, and you know, we we talk about the crowd, and oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 been you know it's been loud, it's been good. Uh, certainly, there is an advantage here that other arenas are not full, uh, so it's it's definitely going to be loud it's here just, anyway. It's
2: just the speakers; they're pumping in the noise. Yeah. Um, so I was reading a Tampa fan last week, so I could just speak, they just pump a lot of noise in there. Was and as, I, I was watching the the freaking Tampa game yesterday, which was ridiculous. Yeah, all the goals and talk about a quiet place. Yeah, in the land of freaking, you know, <laughs> as you get, as wild as you want. Have they ever had to wear masks? And I actually <laughs> yeah. I didn't think and that game was great. Oh yeah, but between the seven hundred goals in the game, that crowd was actually kind of quiet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was there for. Uh, game seven, Tampa, Washington, three years ago, uh, the year that the Knights went to the went to the Cup. I was not there for Game Seven. It was pretty good, um, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like it didn't blow you away for sure. I broke um, your rhythm on crowd-aided. So keep going. No, but but I, I mean, in that case, you know, Riley Smith comes across. He thinks he scores. He celebrates. The whole crowd celebrates. Um, and then uh, Patrick Nemeth, who is public enemy number one in Denver right now, uh, he is. Hated in Denver. Um, and I, I'm just following along in the timeline as people are just trashing him, like, why is he in the lineup? And this is before yesterday even happened. But, you know, he had made the turnover. So he lays on the ice with his head down, like, oh, man, I can't believe I just allowed that. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar, former Golden Knight, also thinks that the puck's in the net. So he gives up on the play. And the crowd is so loud that they can't communicate to each other, hey, the play's still going on. So Grubauer is like, ah, oh, this sucks. Give up a goal. And that's why the Golden Knights scored the goal. I mean, obviously, it's them staying on the puck and continuing to play when, you know, Colorado give it up. But I, I do think the crowd had a lot to do with, you know, kind of going nuts there, thinking the puck was in the net and, you know, making so much noise that there was a lot of confusion for Colorado on that goal. Patches with a point in every game since it has been
2: back, right? So he's been incredibly active. Oh yeah, and and finished this time. He's had a lot of opportunities. Finished this time with a freaking brilliant shot. Oh, it was great. great. It was freaking rocket.
1: And that's you know, which goes down as the game winning goal the way the game played out, and that means two straight games with the game winning goal uh, for for Max Pacioretty, Uh because he got he got the tip in at the in the three two game in game three. So he's been incredibly effective, and, and we talked about. You know the 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 Golden Knights struggles to score goals early in that Minnesota Wild series, if we remember, Max Pacioretty was not there. Uh, he doesn't change everything completely, but he does get guys back to their normal positions, right? I mean, he gets he gets the makes the third line deeper by returning and you know reshuffling some of the some of the uh, lineups. Just his presence helps out that offense so much in w- in what they're trying to do, and you know we're seeing them start to find that rhythm again. Um, the last, you know, we mentioned game two, even though they lost, they were really good game three. They were, uh, they were, they were dominant throughout much of the game, even though they were very close to losing and going down three, nothing. And then yesterday I, you know, I thought when you factor both the offense and the defense, I thought they were as good as they've been yesterday. I, I know it looked more impressive maybe in game two and three, but I thought they were, they were just completely dominant all throughout the game yesterday. We'll
2: get into this angle more. The breakdown of the penalties, right? Knights have been more disciplined. Meanwhile, the Avs, to set up the, uh, what was it, the third goal? Uh, What is Borokotsky doing? It wasn't even desperation on defense.
1: He's actually
2: in the the Golden Knights' end of the ice, and he and Tucker going for a puck, and he, like, freaking... Like, lassos his head, and, you know, of course, Tuck's going to sell the call. A they judo. all do. They've been doing it. You know, both teams have been doing it all series. Probably the abs more than the the, uh, the Golden Knights, but he, yeah, he goes down in a heap. And then, there were, by the way, there was a good scuffle after that. There, was, there were several. Tuck got, there. To, Tuck got to use his uh, his ground defense to <laughs> sure. try to get the hell out, get out of the clutches. But uh, but that's a terrible penalty. It's ridiculous. It and then so a... gets, you know, so left side once, rebound, comes around him again, second time, it's in. A... It was a judo maneuver, I think. Right?
1: Yeah. It was a good, good, uh, good takedown. Good, throw and yes, yeah, so if you're down. if
2: you're caught like that around your neck, you are going to freaking whip yourself to the ground. So, good job there. And they took advantage of it. But did what a dumb, what a dumb play. And in a series like this, you you know you you saw it early. You know when the knights committed penalties, they got murdered for it.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's that's been certainly a an area of uh, of emphasis. Like the Golden Knights have. For now, three games as we've talked about, been the better team five on five for sure. But the Avs' power play is so explosive and so good, and you realize that if you let them get power plays, not only might they score, but it could complete it could completely take the momentum of the game back and and get their offense going again, get them confidence. So you you just can't allow their power play to get on the ice. As long as the Golden Knights are playing five on five, I don't think they have many concerns right now with where their game is against Colorado. Like they're fine but you don't want to get Colorado back to playing the way that they want to play. You don't want to get them back to feeling comfortable and confident. And the way that they would do that is on the power play where they are about the best in the league. They're the best. Yeah. All right. So how does this
2: change? Well, one, how, how, uh, how do we know that the golden Knights, because much of it's all, it's all playoffs, right? That's why there's such, such zigzaggy elements to a lot of playoff series. How do we know that the Knights can keep this going and not get a bit
1: spoiled by all this prosperity? You know, and it could change immediately. Now, I would, I would say winning, I mean, winning game five is, is obviously, I mean, that's, that in a 2-2 series, game five historically is is the most important thing. But I would say the way that it would play out for the rest of the series, like I will tell you last night, I was on, like I said, I was on the call with all the Avalanche. The coach, players that were on there, so Bednar spoke, uh, Comfer spoke, um, Brandon Saad was speaking, and it was kind of all the same. Like, their attitude, again, not quoting directly, but this was their attitude yesterday. Yeah, we've got two games left in Colorado. Nobody beats us there. Sounds familiar, though. Remember Dumba?
2: <laughs> sure. Right? Because yeah. you're, you're you're covering the other team. What did he say? We're a different beast. Yep. Like, cocky. Yeah. And, hey, the Avs deserve to be cocky. Like you said, what are they, 20-0-1 going back to March? Yeah, 20-0-1. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, game, game game two, you were not dominant. No. Game two, the Knights, I mean, every, everyone in Colorado knew you stole one. You know, and then the, the stupid flashing call.
1: Nonsense. Yeah. Stick drop. Yeah, and, like, that's how crazy series are. I mean, Golden Knights easily could have won that game, and this is a totally different series. The Avalanche very easily. They had a lead with five minutes left in game three to be up 3 nothing. The series could have been on the verge of being over. And you score two goals, change that, win game four, and now the series is 2-2 when it could have been pretty much over. like Both both sides have games that they think that they probably let get away. And now here you stand 2-2 at the best of three series, two games in Colorado. Uh, Both teams very confident. The Golden Knights with how they're playing, the Avalanche with the fact that two games are at home, and now you've got three games to just see how it plays out. This part of the show is brought to you by Battleborne Injury Lawyers. You may not need an
2: attorney today or even tomorrow, but when the situation arises, you got to remember our guys, nine plus years now with us. I used to say eight plus, but I was looking back at some old archives and it's like, yeah, 2012. We were doing stuff uh, with Justin and guys like Matt Hoffman. Why? Because we trust them. That's why they've been around so long. We're not going to let any jabroni come on here with us and give out legal advice. They are our legal insiders. Call 57090-570-90. If you're frustrated with your current attorney, and that happens a lot, you're not seeing your case move forward. You gotta call Justin, Matt, and the rest of the folks at Battleborn Injury Lawyers,
0: 570-9000. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702 364 1100 now.
1: Very glad he's in the AFC. <laughs> it would have been nice to have him in Santa Clara. It
0: would have been a hell of a deal, but my second favorite
2: choice is him being in the AFC. you got to worry about everyone, but number one, him not being in our division is a
1: huge deal. And the NFC is the second favorite, but Julio's the man. Everyone knows how good a player he is.
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Studios.
2: Julio in the AFC, not with the Raiders, not in the NFC. That was a little Shanny, Kyle Shanahan at some NASCAR race. Just thrilled that, and I think they, they had an interest in Julio Jones. Uh, and again, we'll find out what the deal is with Julio Jones from a money standpoint. The story is not the second round pick. No. So Raiders fans over the weekend were like, that's it. You know, we're terrible at drafting. I would have given up a first. <laughs> no, because you have to pay him. Yeah. And he's, I, even, even at his current number, he's... He's pricey if he doesn't play. I will say with Julio Jones that I keep hearing that he's broken down. He's missing a lot of games. He Last year, he missed games. The previous four years, he missed three combined. No, the, the, the and I understand that games. he's questionable every week, but he plays. And his production up until last year and gameplay up until last year was fine. Last year, he played, what, nine games. He had like 56 for 771 and like seven touchdowns. So I I I think he's going to be fine. Is there a little risk because he's 32 years old? Sure. But he also may be freaking Jerry Rice. He may be productive until he's 35. He may be Tim Brown. You know, guys who were good into their mid-30s. The,
1: all those things that you just mentioned are why I I, I thought it was a bad idea for the Raiders to invest in Julio Jones. Because you're right. He, It seems like he misses a lot more games than he does. And then you look at his stats, you're like, wait, 16 games, 15 games, 14, 16. Like, where are all these missed games? It was this past year was one, but it's more like he's questionable every week, so he's always hurt, and he leaves pretty much every game. It's – and by the way, the Raiders have seen this. Josh Jacobs. Like, Josh Jacobs leaves almost every game. It's crazy. He'll leave for a series. He'll leave for two series, but he'll, he'll be back, and he's durable, and he runs so hard. He's so tough. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's, it's the constant, which – It makes you think, hey, this is awesome to have this guy who's so tough and willing to play, just like Julio Jones. But at the same time, with Julio, that's why you're like, this is not a guy that's going to play well into his late 30s. He's he's not playing in his late 30s, but
2: like I said, if if they tear up this deal or add to it, and it's three more years, and he's playing, you know, 33, 34, 35 years old, and he's still good. I was looking back at Tim Brown. He had from age 33 to uh, his year 36. Those four years, he had 351 catches. So,
1: yeah, Julio Jones. Is, so I think still he, I
2: think Julio Jones can be the same type of guy where he's a 80 catch guy, and then he's he's got you know he's got pretty good players on the team. I don't know what you know what's going to happen now at the tight end position because that
1: was a big position for him. I don't but. think, but I don't think you're paying your Julio Jones is not looking for 80 catch money. He's looking for like 100 catch, 16 touchdown type money. You're like the that's not. That's not what what well, you're we don't going know what he's looking earning. for
2: if he's looking for you know I'm not going to quibble over what is eighty catch and hundred catch, but if he you know if he's looking for it doesn't matter. we're on the same page if he if they're going to give him you know fifty four million dollars guaranteed you know fifty four million dollars in contract over the next three years and guarantee thirty two million of it, that's a big
1: outlay and i at thirty two years old yeah. yeah, yeah there's a chance there's a risk that's something that if I was the Raiders, I would not be doing it if I was the fans, I would not want them to be doing I also. I see a lot of defender of the
2: Raiders in terms of making this big move or passing on making this big move and saying that the Raiders aren't right there. The Titans are. The gap between the Raiders and the Titans is that big? I mean, by the books, by the numbers, Raiders are what? Seven, seven and a half. Titans are 10, which when I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, 10.
1: Overs plus 130 on the 10. Well, they they have a much more favorable division schedule and a much more winnable division that's that's the other part like once you win the division now you're in a position you know win a couple of games here and there we saw last year you know this is your point more than my point every year uh so to to your point being right you get to the playoffs and you can win like i always say well you don't really have a chance to win if you're in certain spots but you get to the playoffs pat mahomes gets hurt okay now you have a chance now you're looking at something and last year that that happened pat mahomes was you know ineffective and almost hurt and you know the browns almost snuck in um that's that's the kind of thing that can happen if you get to the playoffs. So the, the Titans are in a position to potentially win that division. It's basically them and the Colts. Can you beat the Colts and get in the playoffs? And then what happens mm. then? Um I but will I, say Titans do crossover with the NFC West. Then that it's easy. Tough. But the rest of the division has to also. Yeah. So I mean, that's all you have to do is win the division. And, and yeah. to your to your point, are they that much better off? Maybe not, but a receiver changes the dynamic for Tennessee. Does a receiver change the dynamic for the Raiders? No. They're not going to play a different style
2: of football? No. The Titans now have a chance if, if I mean, they have to, right? They're not just going to, you're still going to pound with your running back, but now they don't have to freaking you know, seemingly run, run, pound, pound on first and second. Now they've got more options. They will. Now they can, well, they better they, not. They've just got
1: more options on third down.
2: <laughs> well, will they though? You, you have I mean to remember, the, the the offense was designed to be, you know, pound and use
1: the tight ends. Well, they lost one of their good tight ends. I was gonna say you didn't, you didn't just lose uh a receiver in Davis, in Corey Davis, you also lost your, you know, most reliable tight end that you've had for a couple of years here too. So you need more targets in the passing game. And even if they're not gonna use them as much as most teams would, like now all of a sudden you look you look when you're when you're running the ball and, and pounding the ball and then all of a sudden you can say, Okay, now we got more and more weapons to throw to, and you know, Tannehill's been very effective the last couple of years, especially on play action because of that running game being so good. Like this is a much more dynamic offense. This does change the complexion of the offense, which it wouldn't have done for the Raiders. So th- I think that's why it's a bigger move for them than it would have been for the Raiders.
2: Just looking back on the uh on the draft from a year ago on the roster, Titans also have to withstand. I know no one's gonna pay attention to this but withstand the fact that they took a tackle with the 29th pick in the draft two years ago, and nothing out of nothing, Gonzo, because he just, again, I want to respect mental health. I don't know what's wrong with the guy, but yeah. he went off the freaking deep end. Sure. It's, it's, been, and that's, that's, it's been a mess. that's the kind of thing, a really good organization. You just
1: piss away a first-round pick? Yeah. I won't, I'm not going to put out any teams or mention names, but just as a hypothetical, if you think about it, would you rather have a first-round pick that you just never get anything out of, or a first-round pick that is on your roster for a couple of years and you just feel obligated to play them, and they're not very good? That's well, a tough call. I mean, if you give me an example, I guess. I I guess it's you know a third of first-rounders are kind of a, you know don't turn out to be very good. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of times you take a first-rounder and you feel like obligated to keep them on the field, even if they don't really belong on the field, because you invested so much in them. Like it's, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting thought to think of is because people are so, so attacking the Titans for that pick. And, you know, basically it's Isaiah Wilson who gave them nothing, basically never played for them and was gone. But, but then other teams are stuck with guys like for their, that they're paying for four years that are just never good. But I'd rather roll, I'd rather
2: roll the dice that a player can grow into something in the four or five years uh, and not look at it like I'm obligated to play them. Yeah, what the hell happens with this kid, Isaiah Wilson? I don't know. they to moved to the him shot, Dolphins gone. and he got in trouble again. They yeah. cut him. So I mean, he'll get a chance summer, I guess. It's the
1: NFL. It might be a while. Keep his nose clean for, for like a month. <laughs> that's that's what it's going to take. Like they'll be monitoring his behavior and how how he's interacting with people, I guess. Uh, and at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, like talent draft stock does kind of stick with you in good and bad ways uh, in the NFL. Uh, your draft position. And if you're a very high pick, like, some people look at you as talented and take a shot at you at some point down the road, usually, uh, if you can get things straightened out. And, you know, usually that, that price kind of sticks with you, too. Like, you're going to have to pay for guys like that for the most part. Now, he's in a spot where you probably don't, uh, where you'll probably just be able to take a chance on him for nothing. But it's going to take a little time for teams to be comfortable with that.
2: Dave Kogan's in next. actually check in with uh, good old Dave D.C. and the Sunshine Man Days on Mondays at this time, and we'll get into the latest with uh, Canada and the border opening. But just for the uh, NHL, what about the Jays? Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.
0: Now. Back to Coalfield and Company in the Finlay Toyota Studio.
2: Continue going through the uh, weekend. Big win for the Golden Knights. We'll talk about that with Dave Coken, but we start off every Monday, recapping what's been going on the last week or so in MLB. And Dave Coken is with us from Wager Talk. Dave, how you doing, buddy?
0: Good. Uh Watching the Marlins-Red Sox, Boston with an early lead in the game, and there was a pitching change for the Marlins as they decided to uh, hold back Pablo Lopez for tomorrow's game at home. Kind of almost a sign that they're waving the white flag in this matchup. They sent out uh, reliever Thompson, and he doesn't. it's going to be a bullpen game for the Marlins, so we'll see what happens.
2: Dave, let's talk about uh, watching baseball right now and uh, baseball watching the pitchers. Uh, interesting, over the weekend I saw a story on – SI.com, the tease on the story was 101 mile per hour, 3,000 RPM cutter. Isn't that the same thing as a 500-foot home run? It's unnatural. Uh, SI says by ignoring pitch doctoring for so long, MLB has allowed a league-wide cheating scandal on a scale not seen since the steroid era. How bad is it?
0: Well, I don't know because I have no idea who's doctoring the ball and who's not. And what you're going to see now are... I assume some manager challenges and uh, another set of delays in games. Uh, that's just what baseball needs is is another delay uh, to keep the game moving as slowly as possible. But it's going to happen., uh, you're going to see managers uh, insisting that umpires check certain pitches to see if they're doctoring the ball. and then they're gonna have to determine what they're doctoring it with, right? Uh, whether it's something legal or illegal. I, I don't know how they're going to figure this out.
2: Well, I know the Cardinals manager went uh, crazy about ten days ago saying, it's going on. Has is baseball stupid, or have they just been ignoring it because they wanted to even things out with the hitters?
0: I have the slightest idea. I, I don't know. I don't know how to give you an answer to that. Um, I don't know. I assumed you would
2: just go with baseball is stupid, and they've allowed it go, <laughs> going going on under their noses. But we know that wasn't the case with steroids. So I think I think the answer is they knew it, and they just figured, hey, let's let's uh, allow it to even things out. But now they've got egg on their face because the pitching has been out of control up until like oh. two weeks ago
0: and the other problem is that there there are certain things that are okay you know rosin and and uh, yeah.
1: uh
0: sunscreen uh, you cuz look you want the pitchers to be able to grip the ball uh if you're a hitter you, you you don't want the guy not to have control of of the baseball uh because that's how you get hit in the head um, but they're using other substances that are More sophisticated, and I imagine they're testing these substances out to see which ones work the best for them. You know, look, (laughs) cheating's a part of baseball, uh, and I don't know how they fix this one. To be honest with you, I have no idea.
1: Yeah,
2: a lot of people tried to you know make a point of Garrett Cole's last start that outside of one game this year he'd been kicking booty, and he got the crap kicked out of him in you know the first game since the announcement was made that baseball was going to clamp down on these things. So I guess. I guess with the most elite pitchers, you know what, I actually, maybe even more accurately, the guys who seemingly have come out of nowhere, who are averaging, uh, you know, 11 Ks per nine, maybe those are the guys we got to look at for the next couple of performances to see if things change.
0: I guess. But, it look, I, I have, I have, I'm clueless of it. i clueless on it. I don't know what well, they're just, using. Hey, Dave, anything.
2: from a gambling standpoint, I just, I just wonder if you, you, know, you look at certain pitchers and you're like, man, they've been
0: out of their gourd, and now for the next couple of starts, you're like, okay, let's see what they do here. That's something to keep an eye on, I guess, is whether there's going to be a return to normalcy for some pitchers who have been pitching at a very high level this season. But right now, there's no determinations to make as to who that's going to be and and
1: whether they're doing anything. Dave Tony Larusa, now the number two winningest manager in baseball history. What what is his place in baseball history to you?
0: Uh, good manager, Hall of Famer, second winningest
2: manager of all time. He's one of the. He's isn't he the greatest of all time in the modern era?
0: Well, he's he's, I don't know. He's managed for a long time, so he's won a lot of games. And clearly, he's got a he's done a good job. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't win as much as he has over the years without doing a good job. But I don't know his place in history. I, I, it's wherever you want it to be.
2: Yeah. I also well, I also wonder. You know, part of Larus's legacy is that he's really smart. And that oh, yeah. he, he hooked on with organizations who had some teams. He wasn't he wasn't desperate to go and try to you know rebuild a franchise unless he was upstairs. And then that doesn't count on the record. He did about with the D backs and you know it didn't work out. But he wasn't down on the field. No, he
0: wasn't coming back this year to manage the Rockies. No, <laughs> no,
2: that was not going to happen. Dave Koenig's with us. All right, what do we do with the Jays now? Because uh, you know I don't. I, we've talked about the Jays and how well they've played throughout the season. And I don't know that you know at least on this show we haven't taken into account the struggle with the fact that they're they're actually not at home, and it looks like they're not going to be at home for a little while longer. Uh, I think their stay in Buffalo has been extended at least through June 21st.
0: Right. Uh, so they'll have three homes this season. Uh, actually, I think benefited from the stay in Dunedin because yeah. it's a good offensive team, and that was a very good offensive park. So you know, that was actually a plus for them. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a, a big deal. Um, if they're a good baseball team, they're going to win wherever they're playing. And they're a good baseball team. Their pitching is okay. It's it's probably not good enough. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to make the playoffs, but uh, their offense is solid. And Vlad Guerrero right now, Ooh. through what we've seen so far this season, is the MVP in the American League. How about that? All right. Week to
2: week, we try to grade the Yankees, and we're not seeing a whole lot of consistency out of them. I did see uh, one of the big-time gambling dudes for ESPN last week said Yankees are the third-best team in the AL East at best. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, he might be right. Um, Tampa's better. Uh, The Red Sox might be better. The Blue Jays might be better. The the Yankees can't hit. I mean, we're we're a third of the season through now, and their offensive numbers... uh, they're really average or below average in most categories. And I don't know that that's going to suddenly change. You know, Stanton hits one week out of the month. The other three weeks he's either hurt or lousy. Uh, LeMay, he gone going backwards this year. Gleber Torres has turned out to be not what people thought he would be. He's an okay player, but he's not a superstar. Gary Sanchez is barely a starting catcher, uh, I guess. And, you know, and they've had injury problems. Luke Voigt can't stay in the lineup, and he's – was a big plus for them last year so uh, you got to hit at some point I don't know that they're suddenly gonna press a button and start hitting and the problem for them is they it's not a one player fix and that's going to limit Cashman in terms of what he can do because they do have a big budget and they're not going to go out they're not going to go out and get three or four guys at the deadline so it might just be one of those seasons where the Yankees end up being a major disappointment and
1: if that happens, I think the manager's probably going to get fired. Well, I mean, how, you know, if, if that's the issue, and, and the guys that, the, that you mentioned, we've seen them do it before. They're not doing it now. Uh, and, and you're right. It's not like you can just turn it on. Maybe you start to hit a little bit. Maybe it's a little contagious, and it goes up and down a lot. Of, but if it doesn't happen, like, how can they even fix this going forward? Like, they've got a lot of these guys locked up. That's a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a problem. If they if they've got a roster that becomes clunky with big contracts, they could be a team that doesn't see the playoffs for a while. And I don't know that there's a lot they can do about it. Their organization is not producing the prospects that it had in the past, either because they've already arrived or they got traded away. uh... So they're not in great shape right now.
2: Dave Cokins with us. WagerTalk.com is where you find all of Dave's stuff. He does a podcast with us on Friday nights at ten thirty. DC in the Sunshine, man, back on Friday nights. Giants gonna be okay without uh, Longoria.
0: Yeah, that's not that big a deal. Right. Uh, they they can fill that. They've got a couple of guys to fill that. They can move. Uh, I guess they can move Flores over there. I, they'll lose on the defensive side, no question about that. Uh, but everybody's dealing with injuries. It's it's an epidemic this season. So, you know, they're, they're just welcome to the club.
2: It is funny you mentioned the Yankees and they're not catching many breaks. And you know, boohoo. Um, you know the Giants will be all fine. Will be fine. They found some depth, and they've got a lot of quadruple A guys who are playing well. Uh, meanwhile, the Cubs have this big budget. They've had some injuries, and they've had guys step in. Who is Patrick Wisdom? I love the name, but who is
0: Patrick Wisdom? He's 29. Yeah, and this won't last. This is lightning in a bottle. There's there's just nothing to indicate in his resume that this can last. He's he's a guy who's got power. There's no question about that. He's always had power, but he's he's going to swing and miss a lot. He's just hot right now, but it. it Unless uh, there's been a spectacular change in his uh, talent level, uh, unless he's completely figured something out, this will there'll be a, re- a regression at some point.
2: All right, Dave. Let's talk Golden Knights. Were you on them the last two games?
0: No, uh, I had them in the first period uh, in uh, Game Three, so I ended up with a push on that. Uh, didn't bet Game Four, uh, but boy, they've played well. I, they've just dominated these last two games and the second half of game two. So they're going to have a lot of confidence going into Colorado tomorrow. But I do think you'll see a different Avalanche team. I, I expect Colorado to come out with gl- guns blazing tomorrow. And I think the Avalanche will win the first 20 minutes of the game. If they don't, they're in trouble. Uh, Colorado needs – the Avalanche really need a, a fast start tomorrow. They fall behind. They're in some deep water against this
1: team. You've been you've been watching hockey a long time, Dave, and and you know the sport well. Like, Do you think – it's dangerous. Every, every every player from Colorado that talked last night and the coach and everyone around the organization basically was like, yeah, we haven't been good, but nobody beats us at home. We're fine. Like, is that a dangerous attitude, like that the building will just fix you? No, they better have that attitude. <laughs> I mean, what? When, besides which, what do you want them to say?
0: Boy, we're really worried. We got our ass kicked uh, twice. Uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> well, they're not going to say that. They've got to say... Confident, they've got to speak with confidence. Now, whether they actually are or not, we'll find out when they drop the puck tomorrow night. Because, again, if you, if you see them firing up and down the ice, then that confidence is real. If they're tentative, then it's not. And they'll end up getting beat if that's the case. Don't have to worry about the Golden Knights' confidence right now.
1: What, what have you seen the Golden Knights doing well?
0: Everything. Yeah, uh, They're back-checking well. They've neutralized the avalanche speed advantage. Um uh, they're just playing great hockey, and I guess the first game was a throwaway game, but since then they've been the better team, and they could easily be up three to one in this series. They were, you know, they got gold posted basically in game two. I think they hit five posts or six posts that game. Uh, they could very well be up three to one. They're play, they are playing Colorado at this point, uh, but they've got to hope it continues because it's still a two-two series. All right, Dave, we appreciate it. Good job. We'll talk to you on Friday. Sounds
2: good. Have a good one. There he is, Dave Koken, wagertalk.com. It's wagertalk.com. Uh, coming up in about uh, 20 minutes, we're going to talk to Connor McGay. He was here in Vegas working around the Golden Knights a few years back, and you know, he's been in Denver for a while. He's on the call of these games. Man, he was, wasn't he brash? Woo, he was brash at the end of game two in overtime. Man, he was just a stinging defeat for the Golden Knights, and he really enjoyed it. We'll see how he's doing now. Now that it's 2-2. Finley Toyota in the Valley Auto Mall has the largest Toyota service facility in Nevada.